Hello and welcome back to Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast, in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat to some of the interesting figures and leading lights of this crazy industry we're in of self-publishing and writing. And today we are thrilled to have a very, very special guest from a very, very special uh, organization here to tell us about something that I think many aspiring authors out there might not be aware of or might not know how to do it. So let me welcome Oriana Leckett to the show, head of publishing at Kickstarter. Thank you so much for joining us, Oriana. How are you doing? Roland, thank you so much for that very lovely intro. And Craig, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing very well. Well, that is wonderful here. Thank you for joining us. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. Craig, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Roland. And thank you uh, very much for coming on, Oriana. Um, I think that this is a really exciting topic because a lot of authors just, you know, they don't really think of Kickstarter as a place to go um, for, you know, getting funding for the writing or, or the exposure or whatever. I think that the um, biggest thing that put Kickstarter in people's minds was, you know, the recent Brandon Sanderson Kickstarter project that made $40 million, you know, and let's be clear. I don't think that that is the norm. So let's not all get excited and think, Oh, we're about to get $40 million. But, um, <laughs> but let's, well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that too. But um, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself and Kickstarter and how it can be used and how it is used by authors, um, you know, in general, since you're the head of publishing. So I know that you are the one to give us all the real information, not just rumors and, you know, anecdotes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, sure. So, yep, I'm Oriana. Um, my my background's about half and half uh, traditional book publishing and digital media. I actually came to Kickstarter uh, four and a half years ago to grow our journalism category, uh, which I did with some pretty cool successes for a couple of years. And then COVID happened and obviously set everything uh, a twirl. Um, you know, things went Hither and yon, I, uh, but now I'm, yeah, I'm the head of comics, or head of publishing, so I've been for the last two years doing all of publishing, all of comics, a little bit of journalism when I have time. This new promotion, actually, I'm going to be focusing just on comics, on, wow, boy, just on publishing. Uh, sorry, because I'm looking at some notes here. Um, we're bringing on someone new to do the comic stuff. So I'm going to be all about authors all the time, um, which is really exciting. I've been through, you know, my whole career has been in the publishing industry, kind of from all sides. I started out at Random House back before they had absorbed Penguin, even considered absorbing uh, anyone else and getting sued about it for the Justice Department. I've been a matchmaker for Ghost Raiders, a fact checker for a book packaging company, a reader for a literary agent, really like all around the industry. Um, and I've always worked on the creative side. So my whole my whole kind of career has been supporting authors, helping them figure out how to make their work better. Um, and Kickstarter, I get to help them figure out how to fund that work. Um, there is so much thrilling stuff happening in the author space on Kickstarter. Um, we've I've got some some stats here to share. Uh, since the company launched in 2009, almost $350 million have been pledged to publishing campaigns on the site. We've had 68,000 projects launched. We've got 3 million unique backers. Uh, publishing has been relatively steady as the sort of like other creative categories have gone up and down over Kickstarter's lifetime. Publishing has been like a very strong backlist, um, really just, you know, 
a strong, stable category all the time. And yet last year was our fifth best year ever in a row. We've seen really strong growth in genre fiction, um, sci-fi fantasy and romance, particularly there's a really strong um, self-publishing contingent in nonfiction. We've got a lot of um, sort of like entrepreneurs and memoirists, folks of that nature, a lot of good children's books. Uh, Kickstarter has also always been a really proud home for marginalized voices, those that have been otherwise rejected by the sort of gatekeepers of the mainstream publishing industry. Um, and we also see publishers on the platform. We've had indie presses forever, um, and we're starting to see campaigns where there are some work being done to kind of bridge that gap between traditional and self-publishing. A really nice example that just closed a few weeks ago, um, Charles Sewell, best New York Times bestselling author, who's got a new fantasy novel coming out from HarperCollins this summer. Uh, while he was writing that, he also decided he wanted to do a companion sort of art book full of maps and charts and posters and illustrations. Um, he kickstarted the companion volume as a, which sort of, doubled as a pre-marketing campaign for the traditionally published book, which will, so people will be getting their Kickstarter volumes when the, when Harper is putting out uh, the main volume and they're really working together to sort of like augment one another and make an even bigger splash for his work. So tons of possibility here, so much creative stuff going on, which I hope I can get into a lot more of, but that's a bit of an overview Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there is a lot going on and it's interesting to think about um, how people use it. Um, you know, the, the idea with Kickstarter, if people aren't familiar is, you know, an author comes on and, or in general, I mean, I'll talk about it in terms of authors, I guess. Um, but obviously it's for any kind of project, but uh, you know, an author would come on and they'd, they'd start this, uh, this project. Is that what you call it? The Kickstarter project? Yeah, campaign or project. Campaign. Yeah. yeah. So, so they'd start a campaign uh, about anything. So this companion book being one Sanderson's was, he was going to write four books um, over the next year. Right. And his Kickstarter was for all, you know, for all four of those. And often what they'll do is they'll explain the project. They'll explain what they want to do, what they need the funding for. Uh, and then people come on as backers and they, they, they uh, agree to fund for a certain amount of money. And then the interesting thing is that there are levels of backing, right? If you pledge a certain amount of money, you get sort of like the base project. But if you pledge just a little bit more, then there's like this extra thing you might get. And, you know, the author, the person setting up the campaign is the one who sets all those, those milestones. And, uh, you know, based on, on how much you give, you get all these extra things, right? So I think that that is a really, really cool idea too. I know Sanderson had a whole bunch of them, but I think that that's, um, that's really a, a neat way for people to be able to give, you know, to the level that they're comfortable um, and still get the main thing that's, that they're, that's being offered. But for people that can give more, there's that recognition that, you know, they gave more so they get, you know, a little bit more as well. Well, and it's a really excellent way for, you know, to, to create a really direct line between authors and their readers. You know, you get to sort of gather, this is a corny line that I wind up saying and like every time I do this, but everybody thinks about the funding side of crowdfunding, which is obviously very important, but equally important is the crowd. That's specifically what you're doing with this kind of fundraising mechanism is you're assembling your crowd, your most fervent supporters, um, and you're offering them things. You know, as you said, exactly like your main tier will probably be various versions of your book, ebook, paperback, hardcover, maybe a deluxe edition. But there are tons of other rewards that you can offer, which will thrill and delight your 
most fervent fans, make them feel really close to the creative work that you're doing. You can often even like tap them for suggestions. We see a lot of people doing this right to their mailing list before they launch the campaign and say, what would you rather have? Uh, scented candles based on a plot point in the book or a Zoom launch party when my next volume comes out? Give the people what they're looking for. And all of these things are going to like make this sort of virtuous cycle between yourself and your readers even stronger. So yeah. I was going to say, this, this is really the thing that makes Kickstarter so strong is it's facilitating a way to help your core audience fund your project so obviously it helps coming into it with a core audience which is where like brandon sanderson did so well yes of course as with anything you know you have to um being on a platform like kickstarter gives you access to a wide universe of readers who don't know that they're your fans yet but yes you do you will do well to start with your own sort of core community and let that build and build yeah, and I mean, that's that's a good point. So if you were to come on and not have, um, you know, a lot of projects, they come on and somebody has some idea for an invention or some something, and they they want to see part of, of the Kickstarter idea is to see if there are people out there that will pay for it, and those people will come on and be early backers, and they'll, they'll get some 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 version of that product when it's done. And I, I imagine that, yeah, it, it's great if you have your own um, built-in audience and clearly that, you know, Sanderson did and that's why he made so much money. But a lot of authors will be coming on without that. And so how does Kickstarter, you know, promote that if if the uh, author, the, the project backer or the product creator doesn't have their own audience? Well, I don't suppose I would recommend launching a Kickstarter campaign if you have absolutely no audience whatsoever. Um, but, you know, what you want to do... So a thing that we should establish in case folks don't know is that Kickstarter funding is all or nothing. So there are many crowdfunding platforms that have many different structures. On Kickstarter, if you say we're going to raise $10,000 and you only raise $4,000, you don't get any of that money. People tend to find this scary, but it was actually designed that way to protect the creators and the artists because, you know, if you've done your homework, your budgets, you called the post office, you figured out how much it costs to produce a book and put it in a mailer and get it out to people. If in order to do all that, you need $10,000, you're if you only get $4,000, you are in a terrible spot. You don't have enough money to do the thing that you've now made a bunch of promises around. So one key thing when determining whether it's time for you to launch a Kickstarter campaign is doing a real honest assessment of who's in your audience and making sure that your ambition matches your reach. If you are an emerging writer, if you're still building your network, if you are just sort of getting to the point where you're starting to have a community of fans probably you're not going to raise $42 million. Probably you're not going to raise $42,000. And so, you know, you really need to be very clear-eyed about what's possible based on the work that you've done. And maybe, maybe now isn't the time for you to run a Kickstarter campaign. Maybe you want to do some more work with your audience building, with your, you know, sort of like network enhancing before maybe you want to scale down the scope of your project, shift your vision, break it into pieces, run a few campaigns over the course of several years, but, you know, making sure that what you're setting out to do is possible based on the work that you've already done. That's going to be really critical to making sure that you find success here. Okay, so you do need some sort of audience to build on then. You don't want to come in completely cold. So I guess for an author, if you were to um, want, if you were considering doing a Kickstarter then, 
if you have that audience already, so what kind of things would you be looking for to do? But let's think of in terms of a self-publishing author where, you know, um, they don't have as many upfront mm-hmm. costs. There are some, you know, creating covers and, mm-hmm. you know, getting it edited and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, some of those people that have written books already might have that budget. But if they're they're creating a Kickstarter, usually it's because they want to do something even greater, right? So what is what are the kinds of things that you know those self publishers have used the platform for successfully? Oh, you're asking me about different kinds of campaigns. Yeah, I mean you can really do kind of anything here. Uh, it is definitely a great proving ground if you are wanting to do something stranger, more ambitious, slightly different than the kinds of stuff you normally write. This can be a great way to make sure that there's an audience for what you're doing. Um, We see really everything, uh, you know, in the literary world, all kinds of books and magazines and podcasts and, uh, you know, zines. We see tarot decks. We see um, literary games. We see literary swag. So people have done, like, scarves printed with poems and, like, beautiful, like, art prints with quotes. Um, All kinds of books, all, you know, from, like, little, like, small things to, like, people who are writing series will run, you know, campaign after campaign for each new volume. Um, yeah, there's sort of, the sky's the limit. And, you know, a lot of what we're seeing with the sort of, like, in, especially in the genre work is people doing uh, deluxe editions or, you know, um, sprayed edges, ribbon bookmarks, fancy paper, you know, elaborate sort of bindings that wouldn't really work with a traditional PNL, um, and but really fit the vision how someone has always wanted their book to look um, on a shelf. And there's a huge appetite for sort of like higher end pro- books, books as kind of art object. I mean, there's really different psychology for somebody who's backing a book on Kickstarter versus someone who's going online to find the cheapest copy possible. Um, You can really like give people a lot of bells and whistles and make, you know, the most beautiful book you can think of. That's so interesting. Yeah, well, I often think of those bells and whistles as sort of the different levels of, of you know, the, the backing. But I guess if you're doing something like that, that could be the project itself. You want to create this massive illustrated version of your fantasy novel, graphic novel, or, or you know, something like that. And then, you know, maybe the t- the different tiers are a signed version of it or a hardcover version of it or, you know, yeah, the, the sky's the limit, like you said. The sky's the limit, Absolutely. I find it so interesting because you obviously come from a traditional publishing background. And one of the, I guess, the the challenge that traditional publishers always have is they have to make the investment before they actually, like, see if they get any profit. And I know there are, there's Dawless Kindings, Kindersley. Dawless, I can't, you, say their name right. Oh, oh. Dor- Kindersley. Kindersley. I know who you're talking about. They do these beautiful picture, full color picture books and stuff. And I remember they printed like something ridiculous, like 500,000 copies of the Star Wars beautiful book. And they sold hardly any of them and it nearly put them out of business. So I guess with Kickstarter, it's like you come up with a special idea, like special covers, special photographs or something. And then you get your project kind of like funded before you do it, which I this think... Is- This is exactly my pitch to traditional publishers who, as I said, are also on the platform a lot. It turns the traditional P&L on its head. Why wouldn't you do this? Why wouldn't you know upfront how many dollars you have, how many copies you need to print, you know, what the interest is? I mean, we just, a really good um, rough trade books in the UK, uh, they did a Kickstarter campaign 
I think it was last year already, um, for, it's a little odd to even call it a book, but it's a book about The Shining. And so it doesn't come bound. It's a box of typewritten pages on a typewriter. The box itself is inset with the same pattern as the wallpaper from the hotel in the movie. It comes with a key fob from the room, all sorts of like strange essays. Shelley Duvall wrote an essay, like all oh, wow. of stuff. Yeah, it's a very ambitious and elaborate project. And right, can you imagine if the editors went to their managing ed teams, their production team and said, here's all the money that I need to make this wild book object. I'm sure that we'll sell enough copies to make that worth it, right? Uh, what a terrible risk. Why not <laughs> run the campaign first, get your money, get your commitments, find out how big your audience size is, set an appropriate print run. Uh, yeah, to me, it certainly seems like the smarter way to do it. And people never know what people are going to be into. And so there's totally. this age, the, the, the age of crowdfunding and, and stuff like that. It means there are projects that have been created that you'd think, yeah, if you went to a traditional publisher, would never, never have even looked at that, would have laughed you out of the room. I mean, honestly, even the Brandon Sanderson project, which like I don't I'm happy to talk about it. But, you know, as we since it is so it is in a class of its own to such a degree. Um, but there are actually like lots of lessons to be learned from what he did. And, and to to uh, clarify the scope of that project, it was called a year of Sanderson. And what he did was backers will receive a box from him every month of 2023. Four of those boxes include a new book that has never before been published. The others include collections of swag that are themed after various of the worlds and the characters that he writes about. And so all of this stuff is like, again, like way weirder and more elaborate and more difficult than just like a publisher sending people books. And to be clear, Tor will be releasing these four books in the future as paperbacks, but only through the Kickstarter can you get these sort of like hardcover, higher end, beautiful editions. And again, all of this like weird swag and additional merch. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point to to clarify. And I, I you know, I, I'm hoping most people aren't going in thinking that that's, you know, what they're going to end up with. But it is worth talking about. I mean, so Sanderson went on, he created this world. Sanderson, he, uh, his initial ask was, uh, he was looking for a million dollars. So I guess he had, you know, projected out what it would cost to build, to do all these different things. Um, and, uh, you know, he came up to a million dollars and, you know, he ended up with $41 million or whatever it was. So that's obviously, um, much, much bigger. And he has this huge audience already. So, you know, we're not going to expect that. But um, I am curious about whether or not this was like, uh, I'm, I'm curious whether or not he reached out to you guys and you guys worked with him or it was just, this was just something where he came on and created a project like anybody else. And then all of a sudden you guys were taken by as much by surprise as everybody else. And you're like, no, no, no. We, we worked with that. I, I didn't work with Brandon personally, but I worked with his team. This was actually his second campaign. We worked with him on his previous. He only raised, I think, $7 million with the last one. So only. you know, Potatoes, relatively. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, of course, we worked with his team. I mean, thank goodness, because a project, I mean, this project was is, is so out of step. Uh, it is more than double the previous highest funded Kickstarter campaign ever. Not the highest funded publishing campaign, Kickstarter <laughs> on the whole site. Uh, so it, yes, it's a good thing that I was able to uh, alert our engineers and like let everybody know not, not to let the site, you know, collapse under the weight of his incredible audience. Wow, I didn't realize that it was the biggest ever. That's great, you know, especially for a, a, a 
a published like yay books. Book. We never had a book in even <laughs> the top ten highest funded Kickstarter campaigns before. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so you know, he ends up having to do all these things, and this is true for any project, right? So you make these commitments. What is how does Kickstarter um, you know manage the accountability of of the person that did the project, the author in this case, meeting all those those obligations that they made to their backers? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm not on the trust and safety team. You should always check like sort of our rules and our regulations, but Kickstarter is not a store. We are not actually claiming um, accountability or responsibility, in fact, for what, you know, we are creating uh, a forum by which a creator says to the backers, you got to trust me. If you give me your money, I promise that I'm going to make you these things. And if they don't, that's really between the creators and the backers. This is not really something we see much delinquency about in publishing and comics, other categories, you know, and we do in the sort of like, uh, like gadgety type categories where there's like these sort of like vast international manufacturing processes. We have some, a lot stricter requirements about renderings. And, you know, again, I don't work on those teams, so I'm not sure. Um, but it is very, very rare that we see a publishing or comic campaign not fulfill, largely because, you know, these are folks who are, you're trading on your reputation. You know, I mean, you are asking people who you have an audience that you've cultivated to, you know, follow you on this journey to give you their money to trust you to like really, you know, produce these things. And if you aren't going to do that, you know, you're losing face and trust and, you know, the reliability of like all of these people. So, and also, you know, relatively speaking, uh, the barrier to entry to like produce and manufacture books is not that high. So, you know, once someone has got to the point where they're bothering to run a Kickstarter campaign about it, they probably have already figured out how to make a book. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking more about all that other stuff that they sometimes do that they might run into problems with or delivery on. Yeah. Look, you know, I mean, one of my biggest uh, pieces of advice is, you know, do not ruin your life. Don't like make sure that you absolutely understand the fullness of production, shipping and fulfillment for those enamel pins and the tote bags and the t-shirts. And, you know, I, I actually, we tend to recommend rewards that are much less swag heavy for that reason. You know, t-shirts are, that's not one item. That's multiple items at multiple sizes. And you don't know until after the campaign closes, how many of each you're going to need. Those mugs are going to break in the mail. If you use enamel pins, you try to put them in your envelopes, you can no longer ship media rate. In the US, there's a lot of complications to all of this stuff. So absolutely (laughs) think very hard and work through everything that it means to make any promise you're going to make through your campaign. Which, I mean, that's that's part of it anyway, though, isn't it? It's like it's very easy to not have these responsibilities when you're just starting out and publishing on Amazon. But I think when you get to the level where you think, okay, I could maybe do a Kickstarter, hopefully you've got these things already done. Yep, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, and I imagine that there is sort of some best practices and guidelines and such on Kickstarter that help guide people through that, that setup thing where, you know, they go to set up a campaign and they start picking their, you know, detailing everything out and they can probably read some documentation and some various Yeah, things. we've got a great, I maintain a creator tips page for publishers, kickstarter.com slash creators slash publishing. I've got articles about creating a budget, writing a press release, spreading the word, uh, 
a guide to each element of your project page. There's tons of resources uh, to help make sure that we are not letting you ruin your life with your ambitions. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, you know, obviously that's good advice, but I, you know, I think I can see the idea of people getting carried away and, you know, saying, oh, I can, I can do this and I can do that. And it's like, yeah, you do want to think about, it. and uh, those are good points. Even the, even the little ones you gave, like I wouldn't even thought about that. Oh yeah. T-shirt seems like an easy thing and it's not going to break when you send it, but you're right. Sizes. Every, you know, <laughs> I didn't realize that everybody loved my book is small and I ordered, you know, large. Exactly. And, exactly. Know, yeah. That's uh yeah. Wow. Um, so what is the, you know, are there any like requirements? Like when you go to sign up, if let's say a new author comes on, goes on the site, wants to start a campaign, you know, what, what are this, what's, what do they have to do? Is it just fill out the form? Oh them? yeah. It's all, anyone can run a Kickstarter campaign. You don't have to know me or hear about this podcast. Very, uh, you know, an open platform that anybody can use. You build your project in the back end. you upload your video, your images, you tell your story, you set up all your reward tiers. There's some approval stuff based on, you know, you have to have a verified ID. You have to have a bank account that be, can be confirmed by Stripe, which is our payment processor. Um, you know, got to make sure that nobody's using the site for nefarious ends. Uh, but yeah, anybody can do it. Anybody can run one when and how and however they want to. Now, have there been any? Oh, go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was just just a quick question was how long does a campaign usually go for? Like, uh, the, in terms of uh, both in terms of how long is the funding period, and then how long is it is a typical if there is a typical sort of delivery window? I know with Sanderson it was a year of Sanderson, but I imagine most of the time it's not a whole year of stuff, right? So, so most campaigns we recommend running it for about thirty days or about four weeks. Um, the vast majority of your campaign action is going to happen the first in the last week, but you kind of want that time in the middle to sort of make, you know, any activation that you're going to do, you want to give enough time for someone to write about it, people to put it on their blogs and their TikToks and tweet about, you know, all of that. Um, the fulfillment timeline can really be, again, like this is a contract between the author and their readers. So there are people who will run a campaign and say, look, the book is written, edited, typeset, designed. I just have to push this button to send it to the printer and I need to give them a check. So that's what this money is going to. And, you know, as soon as we get it, we're going to get the books. We're going to start sending them out. You'll have your books in, you know, six months or less. Plenty of other authors will say, I'm at the very early stages, or here's my plan for this whole series. You know, so long as you are, you set the expectations with your campaign. And if your backers say, yeah, cool, here's my 50 bucks. Happy to wait three years until you've got this book in my hand. No problem. It's really whatever your audience will bear. Do keep in mind, however, that if you want to make Kickstarter a bigger part of your entire publishing practice, you cannot launch a new campaign until you have fulfilled your old one. So do keep that in mind when you're working out your timelines. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And then, yeah, yeah. So which, what projects have you worked on, depending on how much information you can tell us, obviously, that have really excited you or you've been really interested or surprised by? I mean, at this point, I've worked on, I've worked on probably thousands of projects. You know, there are like uh, about 150 or 200 campaigns launching in my categories every week. I'm certainly not working with all of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I this romance 
was uh, my big initiative for last year. And I have been just really overjoyed seeing the like unbridled creativity and sort of like DIY tenacity of folks in the romance space. Also the sci-fi folks, um, you know, it's, it's similar. These are folks who I think have like underpinned the entire traditional publishing industry while long being denigrated by that very industry and like not taken seriously. So it's folks who know how to cultivate their audience, who know how to come up with like weird and wild ideas and execute on them with like nobody else helping them out. It's been incredibly fun. I love to see a bookstore campaign. I started my, I worked at a bookstore, you know, back when I was a tiny baby New Yorker. It's like one of my favorite things to see. Uh, I love the diversity on this platform. There are children's books, so many children's books about, you know, like, um, languages that are becoming extinct or like really focused on like certain cultural celebrations or like individual food items all told, you know, in like multiple languages. And I love to see that. I love to see anyone who's just sort of like, you know, you can tell when you look whether someone is doing it for like entrepreneurial reasons, which is awesome, versus the ones who are like, this has been the dream in my tiny, squishy little heart since I was a child. Like, uh, I just, I'm so happy to see those people find their niche, find their crowd, create these like beautiful, wonderful, weird books that like the world is richer for. So I don't know. I mean, I get corny. I find this job like endlessly inspiring, like even books that I'm like, I don't think I would ever read that. I get so excited just like seeing how hard people are working to like find the people who will get it out into the world. Oh, that's wonderful. So um, you mentioned, I mean, I've seen Kickstarter and I've supported some Kickstarter things. How difficult, if you're an author and you've got an idea, or maybe you've got an audience, how difficult is it to come up with a Kickstarter campaign, like creating a video and stuff like that? What the cam- do- Yeah, no, making a campaign is not the hard part. It's very easy. It's a very user-friendly site. I mean, Kickstarter is a campaign that's designed for storytelling, right? So you can really, your campaign can be as short or as long as you want it to be. I mean, number one piece of advice for anyone even considering running a campaign, go to the site right now, find five campaigns that you think are even moderately cool and back them even just for a buck or two, and then find and follow those creators on your preferred social platform of choice and just watch, just steal all the best ideas that people are doing. You can do a tremendous amount of research just by digging around on the site. You can see how people talk about their projects, what sort of imagery they're using, what sorts of rewards they have, not just what rewards they're offering. You can see on any campaign how many people are backing at any different reward tier. You can look at timeframes, you can look at budgets, you know, like all the information is there and you can sort the site in a number of different ways. You can only look at memoirs. You can only look at children's books, whatever your niche is, see what other people are doing and use all the best tactics. Your question was originally, how easy is it? You know, the, the time to literally like upload things and write things and put them on the site is not long. The conceptual work of thinking about what rewards you're offering, how you're describing, what your elevator pitch is, you know, what your timelines and budgets and deliverables look like. And then of course, what is the work of running the campaign? Who are you telling about it? How are you talking to them? What levers and avenues of promotion and signal boosting, uh, you know, are available to you and how can you pull them? That is all the work that needs, you know, you need to do before you launch to ensure that you're as likely as possible to achieve success. And I mean, if you're writing, then you're probably like 
creating something that's got a major time frame major investment and stuff like that so this is probably all the stuff you need to do for kickstarter is probably much less involved than yeah, whatever it is trying to kickstart. yes <laughs> for sure yeah and i mean the, the ideas that people come up with are you know super creative i mean i was just looking as you were saying that on the site and i see that the the featured project on the publishing site is about a Nancy Drew retro style action I figure. That. I, <laughs> I mean, that's, it's yeah. awesome. And it shows, you know, the little Nancy Drew. And there's a new short and... story never before published yeah, with a novella that comes yeah. along with it. Yeah. yeah. There's like multiple of that doll in like different outfits based on specific book covers. Oh my God. Yeah. I was wondering planet guys are incredible. They're so cool. And I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you would need a recognizable you know, sort of character, obviously somebody with a, with a series that has a few hundred or few thousand readers might not be able to have a Kickstarter that has uh, that where they can produce action figures from their character, but that's a great idea. I mean, their last campaign actually was uh, the prisoner, which is a, like a television show from the seventies that I never even heard of. I love that I'm, show. I'm older. Yeah, you're well, too there young. You, go. you know, you just, I mean, what I feel like there's all this Retro talk stuff. these days about how you know we're we're in this instead of I, I feel like social media 101. The goal was just like volume. You needed the biggest audience possible. Where now people are, there's terms for it. I can't think exactly, but it's like zealots. Like you're much better off having like a thousand people who really really care about yeah. your poor television show or the romance novels or the language you're writing about a children's book rather than a hundred thousand casual twitter followers who are going to convert to backers at like a teeny tiny rate not just for kickstarter just for like you know finding an even a small niche audience if they're really passionate and you know how to deliver what they're looking for that's like way stronger for you than just like an massive audience of casual fans and i think it's yeah. that's the one of the things about the change in, in tra- traditional publishing you had gatekeepers who were like we'll publish these books because they're good enough quality which means there was a limit to the number of books that got published a limit to consumers choices and that's why you used to have like these million sellers or something and now instead of like a hundred authors selling a million books each you've got a million authors selling a hundred books each and that just totally. seems and getting more money from it Totally. Yep. Yeah. And I love the, you know, what you were saying earlier about, because we've talked about this before too, where, you know, one of the reasons why traditional publishing, you know, one of the things that people didn't like about it and why self-publishing in a lot of ways, in a lot of cases is more successful than expected was they, um, never wanted to take those risks, right? An author would come up with some idea for something new and that is not something that traditional publishers would want to do, right? They That's not how they know they're going to make money and they need to know they're going to make money, right? Whereas and, now... And this is exactly why, you know, I was saying earlier that we're such a proud home for marginalized voices, you know, like on the comic side, Kwanzaa Ofayemo is the example I always give. He went to so many comic book publishers and said, I want to write about black superheroes. And they went, no, 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 no. Nobody wants to read about black superheroes. And he said, I'm pretty sure some people do. (laughs) And he came to Kickstarter and his campaign went very viral. This was five or six years ago. He raised way more money than he would have gotten from a traditional comic book publisher giving him an advance. You know, we see this with queer comics and books. We see it with like disabled writers, writers, as I said, of like many, many languages that are not English, you know, like, yes, of course the audience is there, but 
they can, the author can do a much better job of finding it than what has long been a fairly monolithic publishing uh, workhorse, you know, of like largely white women who are able-bodied and straight and really don't know how to edit, how to market, how to promote uh, these different kinds of voices. That's so interesting. You're right. It's, um, I was speaking, to, there's a genre in romance, which is BWWM, which is Black Woman with White Man. And uh, there are some fantastic authors. Jamila Jasper is one, and she writes beautiful books, and you read them, and our languages and writing is wonderful, and it's so evocative. And it's these. this is a genre of books that is now massively successful, sells tens of thousands of copies that 20 years ago publishers were like, oh, no, nobody's going to read those Nobody books. wants to read We're that. not going to publish right. them. And it's, they had these preconceptions and it's just reality has proven that, you know, if you, if you understand the niche and it can be massively successful and it gives underrepresented authors, people who never would have got past the gatekeepers, because as you said, publishing is like, I think 84% of people who work in traditional publishing are white women. women. (laughs) Yeah. And so it gives this opportunity. Totally. Yeah, and I, I think, too, like, even if your audience is smaller, right, and and so then, you know, you understand that, I guess, the, the reason why the traditional publishers wouldn't want to take a chance. They know that the market's there, but it's too small for them because they can't make the money because they need, they need the volume. They need to have all the, you know, where you can go on to something like Kickstarter and charge more knowing that you're, you know, you might have a smaller audience, but since they are so underserved, they're going to be willing to pay a premium to get something that that finally serves them yeah. and can allow you then to to make a living or to make at least to make a profit off of that where you you wouldn't have been able to if you just wrote a book and threw it on Amazon or something and, and only got two ninety nine and then whatever right yeah. so this this really gives so many new opportunities to people it, just not just the creators but but to the audience the too absolutely all of a sudden get access to things that they never would have got before and it allows that that connection with the author because i've been thinking very hard about it it's like why do you what was the last book you bought oriana what was the last book i bought um uh i don't know how to pronounce her last name the the book is called olga dies dreaming by a uh, her the the author's name starts with an x and i am a well-meaning white woman and won't, won't try to say it <laughs> well why why did you buy that book it's because a friend recommended it to me because a yeah. friend told me that it was that she had read it and it was fantastic. She and I had been talking about how all we want to read anymore is books about women in their 30s and 40s living in Brooklyn without children because that is our experience. And this was a book that fit perfectly into that uh, that demographic. It's wonderful. I, I mean, it's amazing to me. There are so many different reasons why people buy books that traditional publishing was kind of almost like blind or ignorant to. Totally. And, yeah. So I was just, I was just seeing I I have I've only put like the teeniest tip of my toe into book talk. I know that TikTok is like a place I ought to be, but I was reading a tweet thread about a viral TikToker who reviews romance novels while eating really spicy food to like talk about what the because romance novels are often ranked by the spiciness of the like sex scenes so she sort of combines the two kinds of spiciness uh and you know has gotten very popular and of course is you know helping to sell a bunch of books we all saw what happened with bigolus dickolus and you know this like five-year-old hugo winning book that like all of a sudden has i just saw this morning that author 
just got like a four book deal from her publisher after the like completely unexpected virality of like one tweet. Man, what a world, what a world we live in right now. Yeah, that, you know, that's, that spicy thing reminds me of that hot wings uh, or hot, hot thing, hot shot. I don't know. There's that YouTube video where they, they, uh, interview big stars and while they're in between each question they're eating hot wings successfully hotter spicier hot wings yeah they're crying and then they have that glass of milk there if you're a wimp and you you have to (laughs) and it's like you know the really tough ones never want to drink the milk yeah that's fun thanks Uh, for letting me come on your podcast without eating really spicy food yeah that's you know (laughs) maybe that's something we should have done um so when I was looking at the page, you know, for that and that Nancy Drew thing, you know, popped up, it says it's a feature project. So how does a book or how does a how does a project become featured? Is that based on, you know, sales and popularity or is it something else? Yeah. So a lot of our site operates algorithmically and our algorithm, it's always easy to tell when an author has come from like the KDP world, because rather than the title of their book, their project will be called like, you know, reverse harem romance novel with participants who like live on Mars, like all of these like keyword, 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 keyword. Yeah. Is that the only way to game the Amazon algorithm? Ours is not like that. Our algorithm really only works on popularity. So if people, a lot of people are clicking on your project, we assume a lot more people would probably like to see it. So having a good, strong campaign is going to help you have a good, strong campaign. And therefore you should really make your campaign very clear and easy to like from a search result, from a, a social post for someone to know exactly what it is and why they would want it. Um, so a lot of this, and our site is also the algorithms are all dynamic and personalized based on your user history on the site, what you've backed, what you've clicked on, et cetera. So if I, you know, I back book campaigns, all of my recommended carousels and macros are all going to be other books. Um, a lot. So that's a lot. That's the algorithm stuff. The stuff like projects of the day, the things that go into like the Kickstarter newsletters, our own um, social posts, that's all done by people. We have a brand team. The whole company, in fact, is like always on the lookout for projects that we think represent the best of Kickstarter. And we're going to elevate them and try to show them to more and more people because that's what we think is, you know, our company is only as strong as the incredible, incredibly brilliant uh, individuals who are putting projects up on it. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, there's all these different opportunities and you have all the, you know, on the webpage too, I see, you know, you can explore it by the different genres as well. And you can explore it by different types like radio and podcasts and, you know, poetry and anthologies, but then also, you know, the genres and stuff. So there is, even though, you know, as you said, you want to come in with a, with your own sort of audience, there definitely are ways to um, just to bring people in that are already just on the Kickstarter platform and interested in your project, there are ways of discoverability besides totally. you bring them in. Yeah, yeah, that's the big, you know, Kickstarter is the sort of longest running. We're the only crowdfunding platform that's specifically designed for creative work. And yeah, there's a huge community here. And we get to, so if you run a project, there's a little chart in your dashboard that shows you what percent of your backers are coming through your efforts and which are coming through Kickstarter's efforts just through like platform presence. Um, this can vary category by category, but in publishing, I would say somewhere between like 20 and 40% of your audience will come 
come just from being on the platform. Again, that doesn't mean, you know, you can come here, launch a campaign, and then do no work to promote it and just hope to be showered by magical internet money. I do not recommend that strategy. Um, but you will get, there are huge advantages in, you know, dollars to being on a site where lots and lots and lots of people are also both writing and reading books to be crowdfunded. Fascinating. Now, unfortunately, we are running out of time. This is, uh, it's been so fascinating speaking to you. We could probably go on forever, but unfortunately, we have a time limit. So thank you so much for joining us, Oriana. Before we wrap up, do you have any, any extra questions or any other thoughts, Craig? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, I think we covered the basics, but I mean, I would maybe I, actually I should even put that question back to Oriana. Is there anything that we didn't really touch on or didn't ask you that you think is important that, you know, our audience would hear about? Um, I think this was really excellent. You asked smart and good questions. I would say, as I said before, if you're interested in campaigns, back campaigns, support other authors, join communities, wherever you can find them. There are tons of Facebook groups for authors. There are like Twitter lives that, you know, until until enough wires get gnawed through at that company that the whole site goes dark. There are lots of, we have a Kickstarter Reads Twitter <laughs> account that's at Kickstarter read, R-E-A-D. We promote um, do projects of the day, every day. We share press. Um, I can also, I'm, I've got a weird name and I'm extremely online. You can definitely find me. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram are at Oriana, B-K-L-Y-N for Brooklyn. If you have specific questions we haven't covered here. Um, but yeah, you know, find other people who are doing this, see what they're doing, learn from them, meet them, create community, you know, Kickstarter's foundational philosophy is a rising tide lifting all the boats. So figure out where your boat goes and how you can both be lifted and lift others. And you're going to do really well. Well, that sounds like fantastic That's advice. And so if anybody is an aspiring author with a following, they, they think they want to learn more, where can they go? Yeah, go to Kickstarter. Um, the publishing creator tips page, as I said, is uh, kickstarter.com slash creators slash publishing. Tons and tons of resources there. Find us and follow us on Kickstarter Reads. Find and follow your authors who you like, who are doing it. Find me. Um, yeah, it's all very accessible. That is wonderful. We'll stick a link down below in a comment section. And if you are listening to this or watching on YouTube and you've liked what Ariana had to say, and you had uh, a comment that you wanted to make, make sure you drop it down below. And while you're down there, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that bell icon for uh to make sure you see uh, notifications for every episode we have up and we'll be back next week with another episode of fully booked thank you so much for joining us mm -hmm.